Welcome back to everyone's favorite American soccer show, Eric O'Cantor and McConnell. Here for something just a, a little bit different. We talked a couple about MLS matches this from this weekend that have playoff implications. We're also going to talk some U.S. men's national team and doing some obituaries for MLS teams that have been eliminated from playoff contention. Emmett, are you uh, are you ready to go dig grave digging? I'm ready because the union are still in it. <laughs> you're not you're not sad about any of these funerals, huh? You're just uh, no, I'm excited to to talk about where they went wrong and where they need to, you know, start turning things around. Where did it go wrong? But before before we talk about where things went wrong, let's talk about something that went right this week because reports are out that the crew has apparently been saved as Browns owner Jimmy Haslam reportedly agreeing to buy the team from Anthony Precourt. The crew, players, and staff will, according to the report, stay in Columbus with the hopes of a new stadium and Precourt will be again, reportedly part of an Austin expansion team rather than relocating the existing crew team. Uh, I, I don't know about you, because I really would have preferred, you know, pre-court just be out of the league in general, but I, I think this was about best case scenario. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Austin, as much as they were going to be the bad guys in everyone's book, uh, had the crew left, I, I do think that this the city has a desire for soccer. Um, some additional information. It seems there's another mystery owner who's looking to buy in to Austin um, and into uh, Columbus oh. to support the Browns, and as well as um, potential deals for a new stadium. Yeah, this, the new stadium has definitely had some rumblings. I'm not, about the a mystery owner though. I don't know about that because Haslam's got a lot of money, like a lot of money. So that would be pretty shocking if I if I saw him get somebody else with a piece of the pie in there when he can just keep all the money for himself. I think it's more of a, a matter of a bunch of people banding together to help uh, to help the crew. I I would assume he would still be the majority owner. Um, that makes sense. But it's it's interesting. It'll also be interesting to see how Austin's expansion uh, goes on after that because you'd have to imagine there would be some teams that uh, would be quite uh, angry and cities that'd be quite angry that Austin was basically able to just sidestep the expansion prog- you know, process by just true. having a, a greedy owner. Yeah, I see it. I, I did think about it that way at first, and then I kind of thought again. I said, okay, so how, if Austin had been part of the process, because keep in mind, one of the things that uh, is going to happen here, reportedly, is that the, uh, the crew's uh, franchise rights will actually be moving to Austin with Precourt. So it's technically Columbus that's going to be the expansion team, but they will keep all of their existing brand and, again, existing personnel. So it, it will really be like nothing ever happened to them. But mm-hmm. the money-wise, it will actually be Columbus that's the expansion team. I think that's an important distinction to make as well. But I, I do think it is kind of weird that Austin would just be allowed to jump the line. I guess if they'd been part of the process, though, I have to admit that their bid would be pretty intriguing because, you know, MLS loves those up-and-coming markets. We've already seen it with Nashville and Cincinnati having burst their way onto the scene in the past, Minnesota as well. And I think I, I do think Austin would have had a pretty good shot. I don't, I don't necessarily think that this is undeserved on their part. No, and I agree, and I think that's kind of the best of both worlds for MLS because basically you're getting uh, Austin in pre-court paying the league to have a team, and then you're getting the crew paying the league, I guess not the crew, having Haslam pay the league to get the crew as opposed to 
uh, Haslam paying pre-court for the crew and then pre-court paying for the expansion. Uh, that, that makes sense in my mind. Still, I would think uh, other cities would be a little bit upset because there is a, a growing list of teams that are reasonable candidates and teams that are future candidates. Yeah, so let, let, let's talk about this a little bit. Let, let's talk about where the league's going because let's because we've already got teams. We've got 23 in the league now. We've got teams 24 through 26 on the way. Cincinnati next year, Miami and Nashville in 2020. If Austin is team 27... That I, I would think the league doesn't want to go back to what they had to do this year where there was an odd number of teams and it makes the schedule kind of wonky. So you would think someone will have to come in with Austin. And the three teams that are coming in before Austin are all very much Eastern Conference teams. So do you think that affects the decision-making process or do you think they'll just kind of go and figure, figure it out as they go in terms of conferences? Um, I think it'll be a little bit planning ahead a little bit, you know, just seeing how they go, because they do have flexibility currently. Um, we saw uh, Sporting Kansas City move from the east to the west, and that kind of, they kind of ended up losing a, a rivalry with the fire recently, I believe. Uh, so it wouldn't be too ridiculous to think that there are teams that could become, you know, that could swap around. It's possible. Uh, Chicago being one, uh, I don't know, Minnesota becoming east, depending on what you want to do. But I am very excited about how the Midwest is about to shape up with, if Columbus sticks around, with Cincinnati, with Chicago, uh, with Nashville, you know, kind of being a middle ground with Atlanta, kind of linking that whole area. Um, and then St. Louis down the line, which I think is a potential, potentially very likely candidate. I, I do agree that if St. Louis puts a bid together, because if I honestly, I think St. Louis was on their way to an MLS team before their stadium plan fell through. So yep. I, I am a firm believer that if Cincinnati gets something together, they will be at the front of the list. Uh, you, I mean, just going through and kind of talking about it, because if you add Austin to the West in that scenario, right, we, we we're now 14-13 in the favor of the East. St. Louis playing in the West, I don't think is a very crazy idea. So uh, I think that's a very real possibility. Sacramento is still out there. Sacramento, honestly, will probably feel pretty gypped by this Austin thing. Because you know they've they've had everything ready for so long and it just hasn't worked out for them because MLS has been so busy courting pretty much everyone else. Uh, San, the San Diego project has uh, recently been talked about again as there's competing bids going on in that city. Phoenix has uh, also recently kind of stepped up again to become another MLS expansion side. San Antonio, I think, probably the biggest loser of an Austin team because I I cannot imagine a fourth. Texas team when two of them already struggled to bring in people so I think San Antonio's got a better shot for the Mexican League at this point which is pretty crazy I already talked about St. Louis Indianapolis has shown interest in the past I don't know I, I don't know if uh, if that'll ever really happen because they, they're going to need a stadium and their last stadium plan was unanimously voted down within days of it being proposed you have Detroit who's got their weird culture up there North Carolina Tampa Bay kind of out there as well yeah, um, and it's interesting because there are teams that, um, you know, there, there's other squat like areas you could throw into the mix um, with, uh, you know, Las Vegas, the the new team there, their decent attendance record, big city. And the and fun thing that I think about the expansions is it's never, you know, a queue. It's never a line. You never say, okay, Sacramento's first up. You know, they missed out last time. They're going to get the next one. 
you know, teams jump up. I think St. Louis is the next prime candidate to get a, to get a spot. Detroit was a very um, popular candidate outside of Cincy and Nashville. You know, if San Diego, for example, gets their stadium plan together, they might jump up the list ahead of them. Um, if, if you know, if that doesn't, San Diego, San Diego basically drops to the bottom of the list. Same thing with Phoenix; they were, you know, a hot candidate. I think when the, <laughs> when the Union came get in, it? yeah, no pun intended. But they were, you know, a popular uh, candidate when the Union came in, lost a spot to the Union, and then fell off. So uh, there's, I wouldn't be surprised to see some rises, some falls, um, and we'll see. Because as you get Austin's twenty-seven, how many more? Expansions you really have? Are they gonna uh, go past thirty? They have said that they will for sure go to twenty-eight, and then after that they will reevaluate. I I don't know what the what the ceiling is for them. I've thought about it a lot. I've tried to think of like logical ways to do this, and I I don't know. I I guess you just kind of let the the landscape dictate because like I said we're guaranteed 28 but look at how many markets we still have left and that's not even including the fact that there are you know Los Angeles and New York have two teams how long before Chicago tries to get an actual team in Chicago even if it means sacrificing the fire right so that's not even been listed you I didn't even mention Las Vegas I'd completely forgotten about them that's a big that's a big market anytime they want to try to get in on it so and I you know just talking about Detroit Detroit was allegedly really close but the Ford Field thing uh, got them knocked out so they'll need their own stadium and who knows how people are going to feel about that up there because a lot of the fans of Detroit City are not MLS people they don't they don't want to be part of MLS so that would be an interesting bid yeah and I mean for some of these places they might just have to be content being in USL it seems like Sacramento might be on that path currently um so it's it'll be interesting to see. Honestly, what I would think would be interesting if um, they kind of started following the other American sports and started making conferences, you know, divisions within the conference. Uh, or, you know, so there's, you know, the West, the Central, and the East. You know, there'd be a little bit more room for expansion. Uh, you could play the teams in your, conf- in your division twice and outside once, as you currently do with each team playing... Uh, teams in their conference twice and uh, other conference once. I think they have a lot of options, but it's a dangerous game with how they go forward after that. I wouldn't be surprised if they stick with where it is at 28. Yeah, well, we shall see. And uh, money, you know, that's I think that's the number one thing here, too, is how much are people still willing to pay when they get past 28? And if the answer is yes, then I have a feeling we'll see more than 28. But I mean, there, there's more than just, and I agree with you. If there's, if as long as the money's there, and the price keeps going up, there's gonna be interest. But you know, even if someone's putting a lot of money in for a team that's only pulling five thousand people, is a league really gonna want that? I don't think so. I, I I do think the league was is getting to the point where they are gonna have to start being a little picky too, because as much as people like the Sacramento atmosphere and all that, I think the league doesn't think very highly of that market. And I think that's the reason yeah. why I feel, I think, honestly, I believe that it had, because it's basically the same story in Cincinnati, right? Where th- there's this big USL team that's, you know, stormed and they got a lot of people at the games and they got an exciting atmosphere. The big, the only difference between Sacramento and Cincinnati is I think the league just likes Cincinnati and they don't like Sacramento. They'll Cincinnati's go to Sacramento, its own... but they don't. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. Cincinnati is its own market. Sacramento, you know, is going to have to compete with that whole Bay Area. Um, it's not too far away from San Jose, um, Oakland, San Francisco. Uh, and so I think they're worried about, 
you know, stepping on their own toes until they see. I mean, with Cincinnati, when you're drawing thirty thousand people, I think it's tough to to discount a team like that. True. Very true. All right. So to the teams that already exist, including an expansion side, perhaps trying to be the most successful expansion side of all time, LAFC beat Houston Dynamo down. They won four one, right? I don't, <laughs> I forgot to list the score here. You know. Yeah, four yeah. one. That's great. Uh, kind of what you expect from LAFC at home against a struggling Dynamo side. Yeah, this is about what you'd expect, like you said. They won four of their last six, three of their last four, so it looks like they're they're finally rounding into form and just in time, too, for the playoffs. That moved them second in the West with a win. They've played an extra game over Sporting KC, who is now three points behind them. Good work, LAFC. And I guess my question to you is, if LAFC does go on to win MLS Cup, does it make them the most ex- successful expansion franchise ever? I think that certainly uh, they deserve to be acknowledged as in the conversation i mean the the current discussion was around atlanta united right right and and what they were able to pull together you know they got knocked out by uh by the crew in the first round lafc got a buy they've already done better you know there are differences lafc you know doesn't have the you know seventy thousand people bob bradley is not as attractive his name is tata martino (laughs) um but they fit the mold perfectly of MLS, 22,000 person capacity. They have their stars. They have some young players. Uh, they have good, you know, fans. Listen, they're not as, you know, sexy as Atlanta, but they've established themselves in a mold that could last for a while. That's what I think. Yeah, they definitely have. I will say that uh, it, it depends on your definition of impressive because. Bob Bradley has already done this before. Bob Bradley and the Chicago Fire, when they first joined the league back in 98, not only won MLS Cup, they actually did the double. They actually won the U.S. Open Cup, too, in their first season, which is pretty incredible. So I don't know if my bias is going to let me name LAFC the best team expansion side ever. They have a lot of work to do. Um, And again, like like I said, I think there's a certain amount that has to be put into the sustainability like, do you really think Atlanta is going to be able to keep 70,000 people in the stands for in the next five years? It'll drop. Probably not to, like, 10,000. Uh, but I think LAFC is something that's sustainable. That's true. They do have a the, very I mean, sustainable look at the, culture. Look at the fire. It's. <laughs> I mean, it's been a while. They've been around for 20 years, but it's. it wasn't sustainable for how the league grew. It's that said, yeah, that, that team was better than LAFC. Uh, LAFC would have to do something very, very impressive to outdo that. But in modern times, LAFC, it's, it's definitely been. <laughs> the uh, the aggregate table, that was the other thing I wanted to mention. I believe I believe the uh, LAFC are very close, if not have already done this. They've, they're very close to lapping teams at the bottom of the aggregate table from combining points from last season and this season, which kind of goes to show you how bad of a season teams are having. Yeah, they are four points short of Colorado in the aggregate table. And they, which and, and they played half good. the games. So I gotta tell you, that is that 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 if you wanted more indictments on the Colorado, who we will talk about in a little bit, that's that's I think that's a pretty big one right there. And you know, credit to LAFC for uh, being an expansion side. 
Uh, and and to also added that's not expansion side with a clear ownership group. You know, this is a a uh, assembly of owners, right? O- this ownership like, by committee. Exactly. This isn't a uh, you know Arthur Blank saying like, yeah, if we're gonna anything under twenty four million isn't gonna get me out of bed for all my own. This is like a group of people who are gonna have to come to decisions together. So that's a whole other you know tip of the hat to them. Makes sense. We talk about originals then, DC United, FC Dallas, or at least, you know, older teams, I should say. (laughs) 86-minute goal after a few chances gone by the wayside. DC United's Russell Canos broke the deadlock, scrappy goal. Uh, Another guy that could have been called up to the national team. I think we mentioned him in our brief discussion. Just, Just saying. Although, to be fair, I think he's better off at his club for this one. Yeah, I think that was where we kind of fell on this. Had a great season. Uh, it, it's interesting how much you know, everyone's given attention to Wayne Rooney, Senor Wayne, Senor in turning Wayne. around DC. <laughs> but I mean, I love that. Would DC be right where they are now if he wasn't there? Probably not. But would they be, still be mounting a similar charge for the playoffs without him? I think so. I think they would and have I gone think, on a run. I agree with you. I think guys like Canoes are important to that. I mean, look at their home versus away records. It, there's no denying what. Audi Field itself has done. So, um, Canoose is a guy who I think deserves a, a call up in the January window. Window though. Yeah, I, I think he will get a call in the in the January ca- Camp Cupcake when the new manager comes around, whoever that may be. Even though I think at this point it's all pretty clear it's going to be Greg Berhalter. Where every every day we move along without any other news, it's just one more step closer to Berhalter, which I'm okay with. I'm all right with it. Uh, We'll talk about it a little bit more when we get to the U.S. men's national team. But, you know, I I am relatively okay with it. So it's been a long road, by the way. But D.C. United finally found themselves in a playoff spot thanks to this victory. So big, big goal, big victory for them. They, again, have still played one less game than Montreal and are now one point ahead of them. So at this point, it is up to D.C. United has officially gotten to control of their own destiny. And it was against uh, FC Dallas, first in the West. It's true. Not to be underlooked. They also have host uh, New York City, another very difficult game, but another game at home that is winnable for how they're playing currently. Um, so. And they have Toronto again tonight. Yes, of course, Toronto they host. So there's a lot. You know, Toronto's not, never an easy game, despite their tough, you know, year. They still have talent, but. You, at this point, D.C. really is going to have to do a pretty big mess up to, to let Montreal overtake them. Very, very true. So that's where we are at this point for the playoff standings. Let's uh, let's jump to the the other side of this, the MLS obituaries, the, 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 the unfortunate wasteland of teams that did not that will not qualify for the playoffs. So had the idea a little bit to put the bow on the season for the teams that were eliminated from the playoffs. I, I think we'll do this for every team. Once they are eliminated, but this seemed like a good chance to get a big chunk of them out of the way before, you know, the eliminations start coming in the playoffs as such. And what a time during international break. Yeah, exactly. We have to keep the content flowing during the international break. Otherwise, what are we going to talk about? Um, pass. Yeah. All right. So we'll talk about in reverse order of the standings when I wrote it. Uh, where teams went wrong, what they need to improve, and what it looks like they got right, if anything. Uh, some of these teams, unfortunately, not a lot going for them. But we start with the uh, the much maligned San Jose Earthquakes. I-, I have written everything. They need new everything. I 
I do go on to say that I, I am in favor of Mateus Almeida's hiring because I, I, I thought about what you said. And you know what? I 100% agree with you. At least it's different. At least it's an outsider, somebody with a fresh perspective and somebody with a proven track record of success in another league. So I'm all right with that. I, I do think that that's uh, if it doesn't work, then in a few years, I hope I can at least be you know objective and say, well, you know what? At the time, it was a pretty good hire. So it was a decent roll of the dice. I mean, even now, I think you can look at it and say decent roll of the dice. Um, you know, if it doesn't work out, at least you tried something. But it's also, you know, it's the first step. There's so much more to do. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and as for San Jose's team, look, scoring goals doesn't seem to be that big of an issue. They're kind of middle of the pack there. They've given up 69 goals. Nice. But that's that leads MLS, and that's not going to get the job done. You can't leak goals like that. This league, I know this league has a reputation for no defending, but that's taking it a little too far. And 70 is the record set by Minnesota just last year for worst defense. I I'm pretty positive they're gonna break that. Yeah, I don't think I don't think we're suddenly gonna see a uh, a jump in defense from San Jose to try to avoid the record. So now we we mentioned everything, but as much of a dumpster fire as this team is, and the team that is almost certainly gonna win the wooden spoon, there are some good sides, good signs for the season moving forward. Yeah, there there are. I I I didn't. I didn't realize it until I, you know, I sat down and kind of looked at what these guys do. But, you know, their their midfield's not bad. Their, their designated player outside of Wondolowski, Valeri, I, man, I, I probably should learn how to say this. Cash- Vaco. Cavaco? Just Vaco. Oh, Vaco. All right. Valeri Vaco. He's just Vaco. It's, he's a mononym. Oh. Like seal. Oh, man. All right. Thank you. Yeah. It makes so. it easier for us Americans to pronounce the name. Yeah. Yeah. So Vaco. Um, I like this guy. I really do. I, I've seen him play a little bit more now, again, for the purposes of this. And his game's pretty good. Danny Husen, Magnus Eriksson, they're, they're a good midfield. That's not terrible, actually. I could think of much worse. There are teams with much worse midfields than that. And Husen, who has played a bit of striker this year, uh, Vaco a bit on the wing, a little bit, you know, his second striker and forward. Part of the reasons why, along with Magnus Eriksson playing on the right wing, why they've had a decent offensive season. Yeah. Uh, but now defense seems to be their biggest problem. Uh, Youngworth, who's, you know, as we listed a midfielder, has been playing center back for a decent amount of the season. He has, and it has not been working. Same thing with Bradley. It's It's not good enough. Yeah, I think, I don't know where the world's gotten where everybody suddenly thinks that, oh, my six can just play center back, but that needs to stop because it's not, not a good idea. Yeah, I think there are situations where it can happen, but like, why, why try it with everybody? It just, I don't know. Yeah, so the amount of midfielders moving to center back these days is shocking, though. It really is. It's not. I mean, yeah. It's crazy. I think. With Bradley and Youngworth, you got two situations where it certainly went wrong. I can't think of too many where it goes right. I mean, Schweinsteiger kind of works, but it's not its not what you want. It's a waste of his talent. Yeah. Exactly. I think that is, that's what, how it works with most midfielders who go there. Um, so, on the other side with um, the other midfielder, Anibal Godoy, generally mo- very overlooked player, who I think is a very solid center mid you know option he can defend he can pass he can win headers he can make tackles so just there we have a decent 
you have a decent, you know, starting point. I don't think this is going to be a team that needs an entire overhaul. This is true. I, I, I do think that there is something to work with here, at least. I, it's just, it's been such a bad season that I do, uh, it is going to be kind of hard to wash the stain out of this. And I, Wando scored 10 goals this season. His production is only going to continue falling, in my opinion. So that's a sizable amount of goals to have to replace. But I think if the defense gets better, then you don't necessarily have to worry as much about having to replace those goals. Because I, I, is this his last season? Is he coming back? Uh, I would hope not for their sake. Or if he's coming back, at least surprised. at a reduced price. It comes back for half a season, maybe, just to break the goal record. Guy who comes on the 84th minute. They do have Huisen and Vaco who can play up top. Um, they would. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they look to sign another forward. Um, but ba- obviously, backline is their biggest issue, and I think they knew that coming into the season. So it's not even like a new thing for them. Chivas, when Almeida was there, was uh, solid defensively. You may have noticed in the Concacaf Champions League that they were very good defensively during that tournament, and it was the reason they were able to win it because they didn't score hardly at all. But they did keep teams from scoring, and that sometimes is good enough to get by so he perhaps is the answer on that front as well we'll see if he can if he can figure something out there but they're definitely going to need new personnel regardless of who the coach is and so i've set a panic level for san jose okay. every team really yes P- panic level for next year you need more defense san jose you need more of everything but the defense even those players that we listed most of them could be upgraded you know even like a magnus erickson he's, he's no Almiron, but you need more just players. Get some more defense, but not time to panic just yet. Good signs for uh, San Jose with Almeida as well. We move on to Orlando City, who, thanks to their result this weekend, have fallen into 22nd place in the league. Congratulations. And by the way, you mentioned the goal record for goals allowed. Orlando already hit it. They've allowed 70 goals now this season. So we're going to have two teams... Who are going to break that record? Who would have thought Minnesota United would get off so easily? Just one year of having the record? That's great. Yeah, it is great. And for the, the worst thing for Orlando is they have to play Seattle tonight. And they have to play the Red Bulls on decision day. That, I don't think it's getting any better. They, I legitimately think they've got a real shot at maybe hitting 80. 80, If wow. you think I'm exaggerating... If you think I'm exaggerating, this is a team that's given up 70 goals already. I think it's closer to 78. <laughs> I, I I can see them conceding four, but they're at home. They're at home for this uh, these two games, so that's a benefit. Yeah, well, like I said, I I don't believe in them anymore. They've they've done me wrong. They they did me wrong. They were my dark horse pick to make the playoffs this year, and they did me wrong. So at this point, I'm uh, I'm not hoping for anything, obviously, but I am I am bitter. And if they hit eighty, I might I might laugh a little. It would be it would be quite funny. Um, Orlando, I think, is a team that is given their overhaul coming into this season is in trouble. They are. Because do do you have to do that again? How many? How much money does it cost to overhaul a team a season? It's a lot. It's a lot of money, not, and, it, you, 
And it's very difficult because you're install because you know they have a new manager now. They're gonna have to reinstall a new system with new players, and you know this guy's got to go here. And well, and then players start drawing lines like, well, okay, you know I don't really want to be around for this anymore. And other players say, well, I'm not getting paid enough to be around here anymore. Like it gets it gets ridiculous. And so I I completely agree that their overhaul was a risky one because if it didn't work like this to this extent, then you're facing the prospect of having to rebuild the team again. And I think for Orlando, at least they have the money to to do stuff like this. But I would like to see a little bit more emphasis put on uh, youth players. I think that goes to the same for every team on this list that we're going to talk about, maybe barring a couple. Um, emphasis on youth, because this is an aging team. It is. It is. A lot of their key components are a bit older, and the the truth is they're hard to rely on because you know, like I I like Dom Dwyer before the season. And if you listen to that show that we did to preview the season, and I don't blame you if you didn't, but I was really big on this team, and I was really big on some of their pieces. But as seasons go on, I get less and less high on those players. Now they have more miles. Dom Dwyer now has a more a, no, a whole season more than he did when I talked about him at the beginning of the season. The same goes for Sasha Kletstein. These kinds of players, the older they get, the less effective they're going to be. And so here's the situation. Kletstein's 33. So he's slowing down. He was never a pace-reliant player, but you have to wonder how much you rely on him. That's one of your DPs for Orlando. Right. Dom Dwyer's the other. We had this, you know, if you listen to that discussion, you would also hear, I'm not the biggest fan of Dom Dwyer. He's a perennial 12-16 to goal scorer. He did get 22 in 2014. I'll give him that. Um, but I don't think he can continue to do that. But he's not a bad piece to build around. I see him more of a TAM player, but okay. The other DP, Josue Coleman, Josue Coleman, who's only 20 years old, mind you, but he's got to be one of the biggest flops of the any of the DPs to come out this year. He has been dreadful for them in the time that he has played. He has he has not found much uh, this season, and so th- it's got to be frustrating for Orlando fans because he was supposed to be a difference maker on this team, and not only has he not been a di- he's been a difference maker, but in the wrong way. And I mean, so but here's a question for me: Why do you have two DPs that are number tens? Uh, I think the idea they're was not to, very versatile. I, I thought the I think the idea was to try to play question a little deeper. Honestly, I think the idea is that just like Dax McCarty, the idea is that he's getting a little older. You can push him back a little further in the field. He's not a great defender, but I think he does. He's, you know, he, he's a, tr- he's a trier. <laughs> I couldn't think of the word. He's, I don't, I didn't want to call him a tryhard because that's obviously got a negative connotation, but you know, the question is he, he put in a shift, right? He, he's not a, he's not a lazy player. So I, I do think that that was their thinking, was that if you bring in Coleman as the young legs, he can learn a little bit from Kleshton, and then when the time comes, he can be pushed up a little further in the field. Maybe you can even play him in a two-striker system with playing underneath Dom Dwyer. I, I, I get the thinking for that. My problem is that Kleshton is best as a 10. I think he's a pure number 10, uh, pure creator. Um, same thing with Coleman, who ended up getting some time on the wing. Um. And you know what? Honestly, for me, those are the worst DPs in the league. Wow. Maybe next to Colorado, Howard and Gashi. Uh, or San Jose, Wando and Vaco. Yeah, I was going to say, mean, San Jose's got a pretty rough list there as well. But those are the two teams that only have two. This team has three. And I mean, 
I don't know. I it, it probably doesn't help that I'm not so high on Dwyer, but that's for, no, for me. A, that's it's not... a fair point. Uh, well, and by the way, if you're talking about teams with uh, two DPS that need to be called out, Vancouver, Breck Shea, and Kendall Waston. Okay, yeah, that that definitely needs to be added to the list. Yeah, that's the, we'll put them on the list. We'll put a bookmark on that because they have not been eliminated yet. So as much as we're laughing at them, here they are, right? Not in and the that's because they have, you know, they have players across the board who can kind of do the job. Uh, you know, those, those squad players. How many squad players in this Orlando team have been even reasonably decent? Not many. El Munir has been... A very solid player this season. I feel I actually feel bad for him because this season's probably going to go by the wayside. Given he he's shown some really good signs, especially attacking wise. Defensively suspect, but yeah, okay. He's you know he he's a guy you could maybe stick around, build on. I, I don't see him being great as a left back or a left mid, maybe a wing back. Yeah. Nah. I mean, it's going to depend on whatever the next manager wants to do. I mean, you know, we talked about earlier in the season, Higita and uh, Yashimar Yotun. Those are two players that I think are very good foundational pieces. So it, it, at least in terms of the starting 11, it's not really a dumpster fire, but it's like you mentioned, once you get past the top five players on this team, it is just, uh, it is a wasteland. And that is a very hard thing to overcome. And the thing is... I- the beginning of the season, I thought this defense was actually halfway decent. You had Amro Tarek in the middle and Lamine Sane, who was actually um, came in as a DP, but I believe he's on TAM now. That's I thought that was a good back line. Sane had some injury problems, and Tarek seemed to get, you know, have some troubles without him. Another two guys you could maybe keep around, but, I mean, they weren't reliable this year. Sane's getting older. I, I, think, I think if you're Orlando, one of the things you have to hope for is that is that these players respond to a new manager better than they that, that you just hope that the manager was part of the problem and now that you've gotten rid of that and you've got a new start that these players will come around a little bit more just just on that alone you have to bank on that because if you can if you can't even get that then you're probably going to be dead on arrival next season too yeah there's there's just been too many tr- troubles this year O'Connor's had a lot of time Hasn't seemed to turn much around, so hopefully this, hopefully for them, his players buy into him next year. We shall see. Where's your panic level? My panic level is hit that reset button. All right. Uh, I, th- I think it's another year where they're going to bring in double-digit players to, you know, to protect this team. Just too many guys who are aging, uh, guys who were thought could be useful but ended up just being absolute train wrecks. Um, so reset reset all right we move on to the colorado rapids oh the uh, the aforementioned colorado rapids with their designated players of notes of bad notoriety uh this is probably the worst team in mls right now and i know they're not you know competing for the wooden spoon but they give up goals for fun. Their payrolls tied up to players that can't help them. Dominic Baji led the team with seven goals. And the next closest are Tommy Smith, a center back, mind you, a center back. Edgar Castillo, a guy who plays a lot of wing back for him, and Joe Mason all have three goals. That's where their goals are coming from. It's 
Should we just skip straight to the panic level? <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Look, uh, I think you mentioned it before. Skelzhin Gashi, $1.6 million to score two goals and assist on three. He's been injured. I get it. But that's the story of Gashi's career since he arrived there. $2.4 million on Tim Howard. I like the guy. Love the guy who's passed as the U.S. men's national team. But he's clearly passed it and over the hill. Uh, and that's a steep price for the best goalie in MLS. $2.4 million. Oh, that would be overpriced for... I mean, who do you, who do you say is the best goalie? Timelia? Timelia's got to be up there. <laughs> it's obviously. Oh, man. No, never mind. I'm not even going to say it. I'm Richard not Sanchez. I was going to say Richard Sanchez, but that's disrespectful. I'm not saying that. Uh, yeah, Timelia's got to be up there. I think Bill Hamid, in form, it will probably be up there again. I mean, I put my top five as Melia, uh, Hamid, Johnson, Robles, and Blake. Robles is a fair shout. Uh, Blake as well, yeah. Blake as well. I know the people from the West don't like how much love the Eastern well, goalies well, get, well, but well, Stefan Fry just Ste- isn't good Stephen enough. Stefan Fry, me. but forget that. Tyler Miller, let's give Tyler Miller some love. That man has played exceptional this season. He's earned a starting spot, but I don't think he's top five. <laughs> and I don't even think Howard is top. I think he's in the bottom bottom five to ten. I, I absolutely believe he's in the bottom ten, and I don't think there'd be an argument against it anymore. There, there are some pretty mediocre goalies in the league that don't have the same name value. But if you just took Tim Howard's name away from him, he'd be no different than, like, Bobby Shuttleworth. Yeah, or Adam Griswold. Grinwald. Grinwiz. <laughs> oh, my the, goodness. The yeah. backup who's unseated Joe Bendick. See, I mean, yeah, Colorado's in trouble. Um, and the thing is, their leading goal scorer isn't even on the team anymore. Dominic Badgie's playing on Dallas now, part of that Kellen Acosta deal. This is true. Uh, Acosta, for me, a good piece to build around. I still think he's got uh, the you know the talent to be a good box-to-box midfielder. Gashi, and listen, the, the thing with Colorado is they had that like one good year where they finished second two years prior. I don't know how uh, that even Gashi happened. Led, Gashi led the team with nine goals, and that front two of Gashi and Badgie was fairly deadly on the break. And this was a team that was very defensive under Paolo Mastroeni. Um, after that, they just fell apart. And I think that's kind of what happens when you play a defensive first style, as we've seen with you know with your Chelsea teams. When <laughs> that starts to implode, there's really not a lot of Plan B. Uh, and but that's you know that that can be how it is. Yeah, that's true. The, the, but the problem is they haven't replaced Baji. They they have Gashi, who's had that one good year. And they brought in a new coach this year, Anthony Hudson, who also brought in 13 players to bring a new identity to the team. And where is it? I don't see any identity other than a, a leaky tailpipe. Yeah, this team this team really just doesn't have a lot going for it right now, unfortunately for them. So they are due for an offseason overhaul, but I honestly, I don't know if it's going to happen. This team's not exactly known for its amazing overhauls. Then again, to be fair, that season where they came in second pretty much came out of nowhere. They, you know, they added Jermaine Jones and Tim Howard, and you know, I, I kind of laughed at it before the season because I'm like, yeah, all right, that's going to work, and it, of course it did. And then you know, it didn't work again next season, and here we are. So, I mean, yeah, the year after that, they went to eleventh place from second. So, um, and I mean, this is a recent history: eighth, tenth, second, eleventh. So it really did come out of nowhere. And those were all years under Pablo Mastroeni. And it's a shame too because it ended it put them in the Champions League and that was not a pretty that was not a pretty sight. Nobody needed to see that. Yeah, so for Colorado, I 
Castillo I kind of like as a wing back. Yeah, Castillo's a solid player. That it's a it's actually kind of a shame cuz how many teams do you think could use a left back or a left wing back or a left, you know, a versatile player of that caliber, right? Like he, that's a pretty solid piece to have. Um I'm but other than that, they have like maybe three or four you know, starting level players who could stick around. Uh, Tommy Smith might be one of them. Uh, Jack Price, Kellen Acosta. Hey, that's that's goal scoring. That's goal scoring machine, Tommy Smith. Yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous to think that that's like his his level. I mean, so I haven't been a Marl, Marlon Harrison fan for a long time, and I'm. This kind of seems to be like a place where guys like that have gone to just kind of regress. Giles Barnes, we've talked about in the past, but Yannick Boley is their third highest, you know, earner. He's not even a real starter. Yeah. So this is a team that's, it's it's, in yeah. in trouble. We I I think we've beat on them enough. Let's let's leave them alone. After you tell me where the panic level is. Panic level is high. Hit the reset button. Highest panic level I can think of. Whatever whatever the the scale is. Defcon one. It's it's out of it. The, the panic levels from zero to seven. They're at seven. Hit the reset button. Oh, Orlando is somewhere at like five. San Jose is at like five. Would you say their panic level is at a mile high? Oh, oh yeah, ah, that's a. I didn't like that joke. Hey, I th- I think honestly, <laughs> I'm glad we're not recording in the same place anymore. I think he would have slapped me had I done that. In the, yeah, I I in the think I tried to slap something. I don't know what I hit. <laughs> uh, well, we'll move on to the Chicago Fire. Uh, Emma, can you grab me a tissue? Yeah. <sighs> Okay, all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna stay professional. I, I started the season with so much hope that the team would be able to kind of hold on until the players came back from injury. You know, the Polsters, the Mihailoviches, the Deleuze, and that ne- Polster never came back, by the way. Which is I'm laughing, but that's terrible that that happened to him. He had such a bad setback, I believe, back in May, so that he never came back. But it happened by the time they did get Deleuze and Mihailovic back. It never, it never really clicked because it was too late, and the team had already completely collapsed. So, uh, this team needs center backs because if they can convince Schweinsteiger to stay, to not retire, uh, he needs to not be playing there. It's a complete waste of his talent. It's a complete waste of him. It's a good way to alienate him and make sure that he tells all his friends that, yeah, don't go there. They, they don't know what they're doing. So, I, I really thought highly of Campbell and Kapelhoff coming in, but I think it's pretty clear that they're kind of average. And I wouldn't be, I'd be okay with Kapelhoff kind of sticking around because he is kind of better. He's been the better of the two this season, and I do kind of like his positional versatility a little bit because he can play some right back. Uh, this team needs a new goalie. Richard Sanchez ain't the future. Stefan Cleveland hasn't done anything to make me believe he needs an extended look anymore. Uh, I do think they could find a new six. That would probably help because I don't think Dax McCarty is going to cut it anymore either. Yeah, that, that's the negative side for me. I don't know if you want to add anything. Yeah, let's pile it on. This was always, in my mind, a short-term project two years ago, last year, um, in what was put in. Uh, you brought in Dax in his 30s, Schweiny in his 30s, Nikolic is now 30, uh, and those are kind of the three big additions that year. I mean, Schweinsteiger might be retiring, Dax seems to be declining, uh, and who knows, Nikolic might have one or two more good years in him. Delu is in his 30s. Those are potentially four of your best players right there. So I think that's an unsustainable age problem. I think it could have 
been good for this year. Maybe one more, but it's it's a problem moving forward. I think this is another team that needs a movement towards youth, and I think their youth core of Elliot Collier, Brant Bronico, Mo Adams, and Daniel Johnson isn't good enough to become starters at this level. I, that that kind of sounded that depressed me. <laughs> Hearing you say that out loud, like, oh yeah, the future of this, oh yeah, the future of this team, Edwards. Edwards is pretty young still. Edwards is 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 pretty decent. I think he um, will be a good squad player moving forward because he still do have Katai. I I still think that if they play like a four two three one, that three is going to look like Delu Mihailovic and Katai, um, which still looks strong to me. That's not I, bad. The, I don't think that scoring goals will be a problem for this team going forward. I do think that next season, assuming everybody stays healthy for the rest of the way, right? I do think that the goals will be there. So I'm not necessarily worried about that. I do think a proper backup striker, assuming you know the ageless one, Alan Gordon isn't sticking around, would probably be a good idea. But and I just I don't know. I look at some of these squad players, and sometimes you want to look at your squad players and say, yeah, could they start in any other MLS teams? And I mean, Nico Hasler, Jorge Corrales, Alan Gordon, Drew Connor, Christian Dean, and Del Greco, I don't think are maybe like Hasler and Connor are guys who should be squad players in this team. But the rest of those guys are should be gone, personally. Um, Christian the, Dean. The Ghana, Christian Dean, for sure. Oh, yeah. my goodness. That dude doesn't belong in any league. And I hate to be so, like, like bashful, but that, that man had some playing time. And, oh. He was bad. It was bad. And, I mean, so you're, you're kind of – Campbell's still in his mid-20s. Lillard's young, but I'm not sold on him. Um, so you do have some, what I think could be, you know, some backup center backs that are, you know, reliable to a certain extent. Um, but the fact that guys like Brent Bronico and Mo Adams were starting week in, week out is, and again, so that comes down to injuries, but, you know, Tony Chani was a failure. Oh. The season was just kind of a, a dumpster fire of one that it really shouldn't have been given, you know, guys like Dax and Schreinsteiger, Nikolic, um, and it came down to injuries. All those squad players I mentioned just, for me, were the reason this team fell. I I will say that uh, the Nicholas comment. I think he'll be fine. He's not a re- he's not a pacey guy. He's very much a you know a, a box guy. You know, you just get get him the ball, get him some service, and he'll score. I I think he'll be fine. I don't think age will affect him as much. So I think he just needs some service. And this team had no service to him for a long period of time. Because without when Dax was playing terribly, which was most of the season, and then you know Schweinsteiger being pushed to center back, the creativity in the midfield was non-existent, and so I, I think his service was interrupted. I think that he'll do better next season. I think he's due for a positive regression. And look, what is he like? Fifteen goals? That's not a bad season by any means. Yeah, it's it's actually uh, it pretty co- good to say that that's a bad season for him. And it goes to show, given that their only real creator this year was Katai, how you know, how impressive that actually is. Um, so d- defense, it's so much important. Yeah. I think this team needs defense. They need uh, a runner in the midfield. That isn't Brant Bronico or Mo Adams. They need a real defensive Dax. midfielder. Cause look at Dax's best year. Best years coming from the Red Bulls. He had Felipe next to him to do a lot of the dirty work. He did, yeah. They need you a know, destroyer. He, he, he still, you know, he still does get stuck in and makes tackles and runs around. But he's a small guy. He's not that strong. He does need someone. And I think Chani was supposed to be that. But 
That didn't Ugh, work. That did not work. Oh, that yeah. did not work at all. Well, and you mentioned the personnel, Chaney, you know, other guys that were brought in to try to be stop gaps. That falls on Nelson Rodriguez in the front office. They knew what they, it, this wasn't a surprise. Mihailovich and Delu came into the season injured. Polster came into the season injured. They knew what to expect, and they got almost nothing. Remember Rafael Ramos? Useless. Useless. Completely useless when he was on the fire. You know, Chaney, I liked the signing at the time. It was not good. Too. Yeah, we both did. We sat here and we thought, ah, oh, that's a pretty decent sign. That's a good squad player. No, it never worked. The guy was terrible on this team. So that falls on Nelson Rodriguez. And honestly, if Nelson Rodriguez is let go in the offseason, I'm not going to cry about it. And frankly, if that means they got to let go of Elko Panovic too, then you know what? I, I can't I can't be too upset. I would prefer VP stay. I would prefer Panovic continue to be given one more season to try to work with this core and this team and bring in a new GM. But that often doesn't happen. Usually, if you get rid of one, you have to get rid of both. So if that's the price I have to pay, then I think I'm all right with it. Just depending on who they sign, of course, too. I don't I don't want to find out that David Moyes is interested in going to Bridgeview. I just... Uh, I think they didn't have any positive signings this year. And that's likely to change. I could see them having a couple decent signings next year. But like Hasler, Del Greco, Dean... Um, Chani, Ramos, some really, really poor signings this year. And uh, one signing they didn't make that they should have, and they were, uh, you know, reportedly interested in, Taylor Twelman making a remark during the U.S.-Columbia game on Twitter. Remember Juan Quintero, the rumors of Juan Quintero bringing that guy in? Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm glad the fire decided that, that, that he wasn't worth it. I'm really glad they decided. <laughs> I'm really glad they decided on that. So congratulations, fire. Go to ahead. To be fair. To be like, okay, yes, he would have been great because you had those guys out like Delu and Mihailovic injured all year. But this team needs a center mid, and they need about three to four defenders. They do really do need a and who and pretty a much a whole new back line, honestly. Brandon Vincent, I think, is still a piece a piece worth hanging on to because I do think he's still got potential. But oh man, he needs he needs to put in some work this offseason because I, I tell you, I expected more from him this season, and he kind of never really met those expectations. But I agree, I completely agree on everything. Else. I mean, you could reasonably say uh, Vincent and Kapelhoff could be starting next year. So just two two defenders, a goalkeeper, and a center mid. They never did figure out right back, so, you know, <laughs> it might be diff- more difficult than we're giving it credit for. Are we ready for the panic level? Yeah, we're ready for the panic level. Make it stop. Panic level, not a very high panic. Like we said, a couple pieces, three to four, and this team is not too far from the third-place finish it had last year. All right. Well, thank you for ending on a high note. And I do agree that, yes. Now, to be fair, at that same token, I do think that the, you were absolutely spot on with the uh, with the short-term project. So this might be the end. Yeah, this might be the window next season. Yeah, so. yeah, you got one more year. You have to make some additions to it. This last year they didn't do it. They got another chance. One more chance. Teams with multiple chances. Toronto had all season to try to get back in the playoff hunt. Never did. This was a weird season. They basically were in cruise control in MLS while competing in the Champions League. Never really got out of neutral. Uh, this team kind of depends on what happens to some of their guys. Uh, we don't know the future of Giovinco, right? You know, Giovinco's always kind of got those that cloud hanging over him that maybe this is the season where he just kind of says, ah, I'm, I'm kind of over this MLS thing and heads out. There's rumors of Josie Altidore heading to Europe, which <laughs> if they end up being true, boy, I'd love to see the uh, European team that takes that guy in. But eh, whatever. 
What do I Maybe know? Maybe AZ Alkamar could use him. The team where he bagged 20-plus goals with for a few years. <laughs> oh, my goodness. They definitely they, – If uh, it's kind of hard to remember now because it you know, feels like a lifetime ago. But they did have kind of an injury crisis at the beginning of the season that, where they were playing, like, their sixth and seventh center backs, which is what led to that crazy Michael Bradley, you know, playing center back. Yeah. Um, you know, they had youth players in there. Um, but – I, I mean, you know, if you lose between Jovenko Altador and they did bring in Lucas uh, Jansen this year, you lose one, even two of them, I don't think it's that big a deal for them. It's money to invest elsewhere. I do think Toronto would do well to perhaps start looking at their next, their future, just like how Atlanta, with the signs that Almiron's probably gone, have already been linked to, uh, to a South American pro- uh, player who's in his prime. So I do think Toronto would, do, would be wise to start thinking about the next star in Toronto because Javinko, even if he Javinko, even if he is, you know, even if he is sticking around is not getting any younger. He's still in his prime, but I agree. It's, you know, it, it was a tough year, so they have to look to build on it. But I think with Toronto, uh, you know, I'll give you a preview for my panic level is that they, you know, they made a sincere decision to try to build on their star studded team from last year. Um, they brought in two right backs, Vanderveel and Auro, and uh, the Basque midfielder Akeche. Um, none of them ended up being very good, you know, given their season. But that was a sincere effort to say, okay, our weakest point is right back. We had Betashore, he's gone. We're going to bring in two guys who are better than that. Didn't quite work out. But it was a decent effort. It was a decent effort. And so I think they're prime candidates to pounce back. They allow too many goals. Their firepower will keep them in games. They'll be in the Champions League again. I think that's interesting more than anything else is to see how they approach that competition again next year, if they'll go at it with the same gusto or if they'll let it go by the wayside this time. It certainly impacted their struggles in the beginning of the season. I think it'll be a tough sell for Greg Vanny and to the ownership group to say, because, look, they let them get away with a pretty bad season here. And they've, and they've probably already had the discussion of, well, look, we appreciate your run in the Champions League. We understand that things didn't go your way. We'll give you another shot. If it happens again, I don't know that they'll be so nice and forgiving. And so he'll have to take I mean, that into consideration. Toronto, not historically a great team. So what Vanny has done has been very big, for I think, for the fans. And he'll always have a place in their heart for that uh, historic championship run. But there's too much talent on this team to be in the position they're in. This is true. Yeah. All right. Panic level. Panic level. Stay calm. This is a team that finished first last year. Didn't really lose much. Added a whole lot. I think next year we can see another dominant Toronto team. We have the Houston Dynamo next, and I think we've reached the point where the teams are no longer bad, just kind of average. Uh, 2018 U.S. Open Cup winners, no, by no means a failure. The front four's fine. Monotas, Ellis, Kyoto, Martinez, all good players. I think that's it's 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 not elite it's not great but it's fine you know i don't i don't know that there's going to be any obvious improvements made there the ageless to marcus beasley still going at left back guessing that's probably going to need to be addressed sooner rather than later i'd say probably they they're probably going to need some new holding midfielders i i don't think that that's really working for them yeah they they have a couple places to work on like you said that front four I think has potential to be one of the best in the league, personally. I, th- I think if they could get an elite player, and I, I don't know how likely that is to happen. Houston doesn't seem to me like the type of team that's looking to invest heavily, but can you imagine if they added an elite-level player just to that front four, right? 
I think they'd be in a pretty good spot, right? Because none of those players are elite level talents. They're all just kind of decent. Uh, but but they're electric each in themselves. Elise is too inconsistent. Started really strong. Poor end. Uh, Kyoto can be on an island sometimes and just try to do too much himself. Um, Martinez drops too deep. They all have little problems, but I all I do think they're all fantastic players that are, you know, all star uh, quality. Personally, I agree with the other assessment that they need to address. You know, not just left back, but other defensive positions and center mid. Uh, they do have, you know, I think their best center mid are uh, Juan David Cabezas, who is struggling with injuries, and Eric Boniet Garcia. He's 34 now, though. So he's not really that reliable. But you could see in some of the games, he was being man-marked at the, when uh, they came to Chicago. Huh. Uh, cause VP noticed how important he was in getting the ball into those uh, dangerous front four. And I think that is, like you said, the center mid. They need a guy who can transition the ball from their defense to that, you know, to to those front guys, and you know, a defender or two. I'm not too worried about them. I'm not worried about them. They'll be tested though next season. They're Champions League. They'll be in the Champions League thanks to having won the U.S. Open Cup. Uh, I'll be interested to see. They have they have some decent talent and a talent that I think is compatible with that competition, but uh, I don't know if they have what it takes to compete with the Liga MX sides. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if we see them not purposely, but you know, take it pretty easily, tank out of that competition, and focus on the league. It could be a good chance for them to you know use some of their South American ta- uh, Central American talent and put on display. Uh, maybe advertise the club, but I think a problem with this team is kind of endurance. Look, look at the, how how bad they were since July twenty second. I I I noted this down because they they were in a pretty good position at one point. They were two, three, and nine since that point. Oh. Nine losses, three draws, two wins. We can shorten that span because they have gotten a little bit better in the past five weeks to nine games. Where they were zero, two, and seven. Seven losses in nine games. Nine games winless. Outside of that, they're potentially a playoff team. Yeah. I see. Well, some of that comes with having extra players. I do think that this team is kind of lacking in terms of the uh, depth department, in the sense that, you know, once you get past that starting 11, it's not very pretty. So, you know, they, I think they would do well to try to find some bargain bin players uh, that you have to be careful. This is an expansion draft year. Although to be fair, I guess every year is going to be an expansion draft year from this point forward. And you're going to lose teams are all going to be in risk of losing some fringe players. So they, I think they have to be careful because I do think if they don't make any adjustments to this team, they might be in danger of having one of those teams that is solid, but because it's the same team as last year, everyone already has them figured out and they end up struggling. Yeah. And I mean, some of those fringe got, I mean, obviously those front four are going to be the main target, but you know, Joe Willis is pretty good in goal. Alejandro Fundmayor is their, you know, one reliable center back at times. And, you know, even Andrew Wenger talking about bargain bin has stepped into right back. They do need another right back, but th- this is kind of how they've been patching things uh, at this point. Hit me with that re- uh, that uh, panic level. This team is too mercurial. They need a stabilizer. That happens. Some stability. They'll be in a good position for another playoff run like they had in the past. 
Minnesota United team floundering. Yeah, well, I guess I shouldn't say floundering because I see I see your point that Quintero actually did arrive in late March. So that was actually pretty early in the season by the time he got integrated into the team. Uh, but he changed the way they played completely because that team looked like it was heading for another rough season before he got there. And he, he changed the way they scored goals. Uh, he changed really the culture around that team. Uh, they they did bring in another DP, Angelo Rodriguez, carries risk his first full season next year. We'll see how that goes. I do like the signing, to be fair. We'll see how he and Quintero kind of link up. They score goals, but they also they, they get scored on a lot. And remember at the beginning of the season when Calvo asked for more attention? Never did get that attention, did they? Never really deserved it either. No, not really. I mean, the only notoriety they had was that they continued to kind of leak goals, and they gave up 65 so far this season. So they still are in contention to get to that 70 mark with two games left. Yet again, I think that deserves even more attention than breaking the 70s, doing it twice. (laughs) That's true. Um, So... Uh, attack, like you said, very imp- still pretty strong. They were able to lose Christian Rodriguez and still be a pretty decent attacking team outside of a pretty embarrassing 2 nothing loss at home to Colorado uh, that we skipped over. But, you know, the the real talk on this team isn't much outside of the Allianz field coming around, right? Yeah, that definitely will be a big plus for them. They already have a pretty good atmosphere, I imagine, being able to pack in their own stadium. That always comes with a nice boost. I mean, yeah, we saw it with, uh, you know... Audi Field, LAFC got a got a boost this year uh, with their new stadium. Uh, so, I mean, then again, playing at home is you know we always talk about how important it is, but I think that stadium is going to be a little bit louder than the the football stadium they're currently playing in. So, um, th- that could be something that changes their their fortunes, but it's going to be more important that they have a defender. Yeah, they definitely defense, defense, and more defense. Did I mention they need defense? I don't think he did. Nope. Okay, more defense then. That's what they need. I mean, so they have some attacking and some creative pieces with Rodriguez, Quintero. They have two Ibarras, which is a little too convinc- con- you know, conf- confusing for me. Number 10 and 11. I don't know who let that happen. <laughs> um, Ibsen. Uh, so they have some. Cr- they have some attacking pieces, but outside of Calvo, can you name one guy on that te- on that defense who has been a mainstay, who is someone who even you know deserves recognition? And Calvo only does, to be fair, because he's a Costa Rican international. Technically, Alexi Gomez. <laughs> Not that that was a. I, I liked the signing at the time. I, I don't know. I thought an Liga yeah. MX player from that could play you know anywhere from left wing to left back on that left-hand side was a pretty good asset to have, but he hasn't, uh, he hasn't exactly taken off on that team. So that's about it. I, not exactly a personal indictment to him as much as this team's. Uh, they brought in Fernando Bob. What a name. Oh. To be kind of, a, it seemed like someone who could hold in that midfield. Um, so, you know, that was a pretty recent acquisition. I still think this is a work in progress. There you go. Panic level. Panic level. Without proper tension, this team will falter. They should start sweating until they see some attention being made into the defense. I do think that there will be a bigger emphasis on them this season because uh, I do think that they're going to want a, a playoff team in that new stadium. That ownership and clearly re- has gone with a slow burn, and I think we'll see the, 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 full, the full fire from this point forward. And remember, this was a team that came into the league as basically a similar team to the NASL team that they were the year before. Right. So. Uh, big changes since then. 
big changes. Finally, the New England Revolution eliminated this weekend, thanks to the results. Shame this team got off to such a good start, only to falter in the summer, kind of like Houston. Brad Friedel's first season, I think, uh, success? I think so. Roster's a lot of uh, average. Uh, I mean, he didn't really end up figuring out the problems that his team had. Famous Mike Tyson quote, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. <laughs> uh, and it seemed the DP wasn't re- I mean, the the second... The plan B wasn't really there. Yeah. Well, Claude Dielno, their only DP, mind you, a defender, hasn't played since July because Friedel and him don't get along and Friedel doesn't rate him. So they'll likely go into the offseason with no DPs. I would think that that's a good sign that they might they might have some room to invest. But frankly, I've seen that the Kraft family are really not interested in their pet project here as long as uh, they don't have to do anything more than just kind of lift a finger every now and again to get them on the field. So I, I do fear that the, Brad Friedel may not have the replacements he deserves coming. And this is, I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that most of these teams need an injection of youth. This is one that has done very well in incorporating youths. Look at um, Fagundes, uh, kind of pretty easily replaced uh, Lee Wynn. But they're going to need that with the investment they're getting from Kraft. More, more and more, more youth. That's so hard to keep up to. We've seen so many teams over the years have that model and not be able to sustain it because it's so difficult. It, I mean, it works with teams like the Red Bulls, the Union. We're seeing this start to work. Dallas. I think that's New England's only real hope at this point is pick up that model and do the same thing. Yeah. All right. Now we can move on. Again, those are the obituaries. See if anybody gets eliminated this weekend. And if they do, they'll end up on the at the bottom of the podcast being obituaried. We have just some U.S. men's national team to get to really quickly. Uh, they had the two games, Colombia and Peru. Uh, I don't know how much of them you watched. They were not fun games to watch, let me assure you. Although the second half of Columbia-U.S. was at least somewhat entertaining. To be fair, these are against pretty strong teams. They were. So yeah. it's expecting a lot is, I think, going a little too far, especially against Columbia. Yeah. Columbia, I mean, the second half, they came out firing. I, I really like the U.S. came out in attack mode, really, really pressed them. And they caught Columbia off guard. I expected that. I, I don't. I wasn't particularly moved by any anybody's performance in that game. To be fair, in either game, there was only one player that I came away from this and thought, oh, "All right, I see, I see," and that would be uh, Jonathan Amon. I see the raw talent with him, and so I definitely hope he continues to get play time over there in Europe because I think he's got a chance to be really good if he just continues to get play time and works out some of that raw talent. Yeah, and I, I mean. There's a lot of young guys. This is a untested system, untested players. Anthony Robinson got a lot of a lot of stick for his performances this he uh, did. during this break. Um, but he's a young guy going against James and Quintero. So I mean, I think I think that that should have been awake. I think a lot of people were saying, "Oh, Anthony Robinson, let's just put him in right away." And I think that's that's a good sign right there for me to tell everybody just just pump the brakes. He's still a pretty young guy. He's playing in the English uh, championship. Let's let's give him some space. And I think that's the case for a lot of these guys. Outside of maybe Adams and McKenney, um, a lot of these, and even then, these young guys still need to develop. They still need time, um, which is why I think we still we are going to see some guys like Bradley being brought back for the th- Gold Cup. Um, but it's good mouth. to see them out there. 
Ugh. Sorry. It, it's it's fine. I, I look. You're you're not wrong. This team is going to have to start getting some veterans back in because, look, like right now, if the Gold Cup were tomorrow, Anthony Robinson could not be the team's starting left back. He just couldn't be. He's just not ready. And it's okay. He's 21 years old. It's okay that he's not ready, right? So it's okay that he's not ready. But so you know, like Eric Lehigh could be called back and have to play some left back. You could see the return of you know some other guys. You know, if, uh, dare I say, Demarcus Beasley. Beasley might have to come there it back. There is. It he might. He might very well. And that's okay. It's not the end of the world that some of those guys have to come back. But it's the guy. It's just like I, I've heard so much about Bradley and his lack of leadership quality and all that that it soured me on him. Maybe I should be more sour on some of those other guys. I don't know. I wasn't there, so. I can tell you what I soured on as well. Ben Sweat, and it's not soured on, I guess I should say. It's unfair. Uh, ben Sweat's another guy who clearly wasn't ready. Uh, the international game is clearly uh, too high for him right now. The same, I think, goes for Marky Delgado. He, I, I tried to give him some chances because I, th- I liked his game, but he's clearly also not ready. So we learned a little bit about these guys, too. Some of these guys just aren't there. That's okay. Look, I, like, Marky Delgado was, what, the seventh midfielder brought in because, you know, we lost McKenney and Adams and Pulisic, like... It's it's whatever like that that doesn't bother me that he was there. Yeah, I mean, I think we are going to see a lot more veterans, but I think that these are going to you know we're still going to see a lot of the youth. We're still going to see McKenny, Adams, Pulisic. I think Wea will continue to be important. Um, Sergeant, you know, scored against Peru. He scored. Uh, he, he can develop into a fine player, but just it's not about rushing these guys. And we still got Not a yet. little bit of time. So the only other thing I wanted to talk about before we get out of here was the the Greg Berhalter thing because it's it's going it's going to be pretty clear that he is going to be the guy. And there's been a lot of talk about why why the U.S. Soccer Federation took this long to announce it. And there there I think there's going to be a legitimate amount of you know outrage so to speak if. It is Burhalter because people will say that oh, we waited so long just for you to hire the guy who was the favorite from the beginning. I get that. I get that. But I, do you really want to try to interrupt the guy's season? Be like, yep, now you're the national team coach while you're doing this. I think it's okay to keep it under the radar, keep it under the carpet, and let him finish out his time at the crew. I agree with that. If that's I don't the have, case. I don't have a problem with this. I, just because, I mean, what difference does it make? Like, oh, you were saying, oh, well, we need the new manager. And I agree. It's time for the new manager because these last few friendlies have been kind of messy. And I think it's time to start developing a system. But, I mean, it, it's, he's probably not starting until January anyway. Even if he's hired November 1st, like the rumors say. I can't imagine that he's just going to jump in in the friendlies against England and uh, in England and Italy, right? That's a, that's a pretty steep, uh, deep end to have to jump into if you're Greg Berhalter. So, I, I'm fine with it. And if that ends up being the hire, then you know what? I, look, that's who they hire. If the rumor's true that they didn't want Tata Martino because he doesn't speak a lot of great English, um, I'm a little weary. I'm a little weary of that. But, I mean, I guess if that's the reason, then that's the reason. This is America. Speak American. No, don't, don't do that. <laughs> there's The problem is there's ways around it. You can get translators. You can get assistant staff. That it really isn't that big of a point deal. Across. Like, he coaches in Atlanta. Really? Like I know he's got a pretty big contingent of South American players, but it cannot be that big of an issue. They Tell me a guy like J- Jeff Lorenowitz speaks fluent Spanish, <laughs> and I can say, okay, then they got a lot. They're speaking Spanish every day. The, the answer is clearly to call up Jeff Lorenowitz. 
He should be the coach. He speaks English, <laughs> I bet. I bet. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, that, there you go. I'm all right with Greg Berhalter, and that's who I think it's going to be. Do you think any chance that it's someone else now? I mean, like I said, it's gonna be like a it's gonna be a Burhalter, uh, a Vermees, maybe even like a Vanny, uh, or it's gonna be some you know coach from the Dutch division where Stewart has some time, some experience. Well, I don't shall. think we should expect anything outside of that. Right, we shall see. Now, unless it's a Jose Mourinho, the long con. So we never sh- gonna happen. <laughs> so we shall see on that front. One more rumor: Tata Martino allegedly taking the job as the Mexican national team manager in December. We'll see if that comes to ca- comes to pass. They also need a manager and soon. So that would be interesting. I would I would kind of be okay with that. I don't want him to leave Atlanta, but that would be from the Mexican national team of me standpoint. I'd be all right with that. Be a tough place to go and coach. It is a very got to say about that. Yeah, well, he doesn't stick around too long anywhere anyway, so it fits right in his wheelhouse. Good point. Bring us home. We, do, uh, do you want to talk about uh, the matches this weekend? A oh little bit? my goodness, I forgot all about the matches this weekend. That's right, but what a critical very weekend quick. to forget about very quickly because we've already run over our allotted time and then some. Uh, our producer is going to kill us. Our producer is going to kill us, and I actually scrolled down too far and I had MLS All Star game written down there. Uh, Sunday, penultimate match day. Everyone except New England playing. 3 p.m. Eastern, Atlanta United, Chicago Fire on ESPN. I did not ask for this. Uh, Atlanta chasing no one did. history. Atlanta's chasing history against the fire at home. It's a recipe for disaster for the fire. I hope we don't lose by anything more than four. And at 5 p.m. Eastern, Minnesota United versus LA Galaxy on ESPN. I, I'm not in love with these choices for TV uh, because I think the first to 3 p.m. window has DC United NYCFC. That's going to be great. And Philadelphia versus the Red Bulls, and I can't believe I'm saying that. And then the 5 good p.m. rivalry window, game. <laughs> 5 p.m. window has LAFC in Vancouver, D- Dallas versus Sporting KC, and Portland RSL. Just saying. Yeah. The uh, the Galaxy won because Laton's chasing the playoffs. Atlanta because they're chasing the, uh, the record. That's the only reason. Yeah. Against two pretty impotent sides at that. Uh, at my match of the week, LAFC Vancouver, because Vancouver need this game. It's do or die for them. I want to see how they'll play away in LA with their season basically on the line now. I'm going to look at two games, East and West, uh, for deciding how the playoff ends up. Minnesota versus the Galaxy and Portland versus RSL uh, will determine how the playoffs shape up in the West. And in the East, DC versus NYC and Montreal, Toronto, Canadian Derby hold equal importance for that last playoff spot. There you go. And Atlanta still also chasing that CONCACAF Champions League spot in the aggregate table. Still one point ahead of the New York Red Bulls with two games to go. So a very exciting weekend. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have this week on the American Soccer Show. Don't forget to subscribe and check out past episodes on iTunes, Google, Spotify, and Stitcher for all your American soccer needs. Until next time. Leave an iTunes review. Oh, yeah, and leave a review. Five stars only. Only five, maybe four and a half. Alongside Eric Alcantor. Signing off.